Hello, everybody. We're live. We are live for the first official recording of the Holy City Sound Off. Have to give a massive shout out to Ben Clemens, who um, has been a big help in getting this started. Um, yeah, he's one. Uh, he's one heck of a guy. So yeah, yeah. one uh, of the keystones for sure. Yeah, in all of this, and it's been. I mean, the relationship with the battery has been ongoing for us, the Howlers Podcast, who's bringing you this episode. But um, yeah, it's been. We've been down there a couple times. We had some player interviews, so. It's been a long time coming, and we're really excited to kind of just get to speak to the club and everything that's going on in and around Charleston, the t- the Charleston, and just the league itself. The USL Championship is vastly growing, and Charleston's spearheading that growth. So, oh yeah, I mean, the game this this game past weekend, I mean, against Pittsburgh was it, it was a big win for the Charleston Battery, obviously um, making a push for that first place spot. Um, sitting third going into it and uh Pittsburgh in first, Tampa in second. So jumping jumping the rowdies, their rivals was uh was big for them and big for, you know, as we head into closer to playoffs as the season's kind of like towards that. Yeah, the half. season's gonna be winding down, yeah. like it's dwindling. Every point now is certainly very valuable and to get a win against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. I mean, a team that shares the same colors as the battery, the black and yellow. I mean, their badges, you, if you look at them quickly, they could get mixed up, but certainly a rival at the top of the Eastern Conference. So three points against them in a 3-1 victory, too. Like this, when you watch the game, I mean, the battery obviously came out on the front foot. They were pretty dominant. They get a very early goal. Um through the likes of Sebastian Palma, um, not typically a starting center back for them, but he he got his start, huge impact on the day, and it was a beautiful header. Fidel, um, his services were on point. Consistent, all game. it's like yeah, it's just on repeat. Him and uh, Emilio, yeah, balls in. Even yeah. on the f- the free kicks, you see um, in the first half, first like ten minutes, Yakaza, or in that ten ten minute span, he whips a ball in from a free kick, like near that near the halfway mark yeah and Dotson's on the back posts gets ahead to it but it doesn't really come to much but right come to anything but the fact that like there's threat from every area on the pitch I mean it's they have plenty of ball players and and people that go and ball in so yeah their attack is pretty dominant and to hold control of the ball against a team like Pittsburgh so Pittsburgh are probably just paramount in the league for being a very consistent team well drilled does everything kind of right and that's how they churn out results as they did it was 13 matches unbeaten heading down to Patriots point for the Riverhounds so that's that's telling I think for the battery that they're able to take it to a team like that being at Patriots Point, the home fans behind them is always going to play a factor, and there was loads of fans in the stands, which is it just makes the watching experience all the better. But Pittsburgh, I think, were caught off guard a little bit. Maybe the surface played into it too. I mean, there the, is the somewhere feels, the feels looking. About, we're talk, we'll talk to Ben about that. We'll get the inside scoop if they're going to fix that grass up. No, it's that it's at that point in the season where I mean, the weather down there is hot, muggy, like it's like the constant games there are, I feel like down there, the rain that comes with it, it's yeah. con- like games get, there's been a few times this season where ga- the, the rain's played a huge factor in how long the game goes or right. when it's supposed to start. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think 
like you mentioned, the crowd's influence definitely caught that also was a huge factor in the game. Alan talked about that and what it means for um, the team. I mean, even watching from here, the place was packed. It was, yeah. it was everything you want in a home game on a Saturday night. Um, so especially a game like Pittsburgh, I'm sure I'd, like that brought a lot of the crowd out as well. Yeah. And I mean, so it was 1-0, 10 minutes in, I believe, is when Palma netted the header. Beautiful header down to the goalie's um, right-hand side. Palma's left, and then from there on, the rest of the first half was a lot of possession held by the battery. There was two big chances that Pittsburgh did have that Trey Muse just came up massive. One was a ball whipped in from a former battery player, right? Harmon. Yep, and, and then landed yeah. on Dequa's head, and it was good save by Trey Muse, mostly positioning. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. put himself in the right position exactly. to make the save. I think he he took it off the knees, but that that is a what it's telling to like what Trey Muse does. So I mean, he I was mean, goalkeeper of the season last year for a reason. Yeah, and I, I mean, mean, he was in team of the week last week. He yeah. has made many appearances, but to be able to keep Charleston ahead and not give the Riverhounds any sort of lift by making those big saves it's the psyche as a player too the Riverhounds think they created a chance like as good a chance as you can get and then it's just snuffed out and the game goes on and then really wears on you I mean the second big save that Muse had was in the 39th minute closer to the end of the half and Danny Griffin shot from I mean we know Danny the the Howlers podcast does Danny Griffin Holy City Sound Off doesn't not yet but um, Danny Griffin I mean, phenomenal player, phenomenal midfielder, gets a great chance to, I mean, great hit from outside the box. Trey Muse again, the big save. I think it's the mustache in him. He's he's rocking the mustache. It's something new. Yeah, he's feeling that. <laughs> it's also a trend with us. It's also Andrew yeah, and I both have. We're uh, rocking them right now. So st- some some version of a mustache. But like on. you said, imagine like you have the you have the opportunity to score when it, it's such a close margin. From Dequa, and then you have that also, you know, electric hit from Danny. From Danny, and it's like no matter what kind of attempt it is, Trey Muse comes up big. So right, yeah. And if if those had gone against the battery, like say they do hit the back of the net, it's a first half that you've dominated, and you walk away from behind. That's that's never an easy halftime conversation to have yeah. for Coach Pierman. But then come late first half, Mister Augie Williams. Steps up. <laughs> Questionable. And Nets. Uh, I think if this one had gone to VAR, there, <laughs> They'd be like there the, would have been a little bit of a callback. The referee would have framed out the screen and uh, would have called it back. But it's just positioning. Um, I mean, Augie is really good at getting in behind the center backs, and that's what he did on this goal. The left, the left back for the Riverhounds was the one that, in the eyes of the official probably kept him on sides and he still had loads to do. He had to settle the ball, tucked it away in the corner. So the referee's not going to play it, call it. You play on and that's the nature nature of the uh, the old way of playing the game. So it's good to see that's happening on some level in the world. But I mean, Augie, he, like you said, it takes a lot. Obviously he gets the opportunity and maybe the advantage as some would put that, put that call into question. But regardless of that, he has the job to do and, I've seen a a bunch of his. He's I guess his tenth goal in the season. So you've seen a lot of his goals, and 
the guy can score no matter how the ball or the situation is handled or how it's how it's presented to him. He will put the ball in the back of the net, and that's what he did. And he doesn't think twice about it, and he right. goes and celebrates. He's got that. <laughs> he's got that Holland dynamic to him, where he can be just completely absent from a match, still making impacts with his movement, creating space for his teammates, but then like. You give him three touches and you're down a goal if exactly. you're in opposition. So to be that clinical, one of the most clinical strikers in the league, it, it goes a long way to, for the batter to have that. And also just you mentioned the dynamic um, ability of their attack. Like to, on the day it was Augie that was able to convert a good chance. Um, and then he opened up Pittsburgh for the – third goal of the game too it yeah. was he created the initial shot um and then obviously beto avila finishes it off really composed finish to take him up 3-0 in the second he's, half he's a cheeky player yeah, yeah. He, he's like <laughs> he's one of those edgy players he goes down kind of easy yeah, and like yeah. really winds up the defense but he's really fun to watch yeah. you can see that he's an experienced player and the composure on that finish was just like and then he did his little dance at the yeah, over yeah, seeing yeah. augie but <laughs> like to on on the day against the Riverhounds, I think Augie was like the impact attacker. But in previous weeks, Mark Hanich has been a huge player that steps up. Beto, I think we've seen bits of what he can do. He hasn't quite taken the stage fully yet, but he could be, I mean, come the stretch down the stretch in the playoffs or late in the season. Like he could be the attacker that shows up. Um, and, and, then, he's not, and he's not starting games. He's not like he's not starting every game, Beto, but he comes off and he makes a huge impact, which is yeah. huge for them. Right. I mean, Think about the players that they've had this season that have unfortunately either left or have been injured. Yeah. Uh, Buana, and then obviously Dante Polvera. I mean, t- two top, top midfielders, influential players. Influential sure. players. Um, one on injury, one on, um, like, he, he plays for, um, what's he play for again? Uh, Hearts. I want to say, uh, that's no, not Hearts. No, I want to say Feyenoord, but it's no, like, it's not, it's in the Scottish League. I know, I know. I'm trying to think. Liverpool just sent a player on loan there. <laughs> it's not Hearts. Um, Aberdeen. 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 Oh my gosh. Well, we got there eventually. Yeah, I got there eventually. Um, but like, uh, yeah, he's a player of Aberdeen, called back for preseason. So, um, like you said, there's plenty of options and, and creativity. F- so. Luckily, Fidel's still there. Too. Fidel's he still gets there. dragged away on international duty. Oh my god! Good for him as yeah. a, as a 17 year old. But he's someone also that shows up in a huge way. He's leading uh, top amongst the league for assists. So that dynamic attack really was on full display for the battery to, uh, against the Riverhounds. We talk about the psyche too of of like what the goals mean and everyone knows that but on this day particular pittsburgh were really really tough on set pe- they could not handle they couldn't they can handle uh, the, yeah. the the height of bad the battery and the likes of palma getting up augie who's a tall player as well like the ser- on top of the service you had a weak defense mike the shields one player that um loose marking on palma because mm-hmm. not long after he got a second chance to get a second goal for himself so um there was that bit of okay, we can take advantage of these moments and yeah. and do some and do some serious damage. Right. So, um, I think that's something that Pittsburgh. You know, who knows if that that's something that that's takes the them up. They're, they're usually well drilled, you yeah. know. And it's like that that's something um, that they don't typically give. So it's it's great that the battery were able to capitalize on that because, and in this instance, they. Pittsburgh gave him an inch and they took a mile. They yeah. punished him. They really did punish him on those set pieces. Um, and I think another factor as the game wore on, so 
once once the battery had their lead, it was noticeable that they weren't as aggressive in attack. They didn't look to command as much of the ball, and that's that's natural. Um, that's as any game will go, no matter the level. If you have a lead, you kind of want to hold the lead. Some teams will push onward, but a lot like more often than not, if you push onward, you're more likely to be punished than rewarded. And, um, that's so why I, that's why a two nil win is always the worst lead to have because yeah. you settle into what you have, and then that, uh, a team like Pittsburgh, like you don't want to do that like against them. right. So. And um, you you even said to Ben like, "Oh, clean sheet on its oh, way." Three, yeah, oh, and yeah. uh, of course, Andrew had uh, jinx jinx the match. Um, but as the game wore on, the battery did get opened up for one goal, and it's the creative instincts of Danny Griffin that kind of got the. Riverhounds on the board, a long ball, long diagonal from deep in midfield, and then it's a knockdown ball that the Riverhounds kind of prey upon and punish them. So as far as the the game plan, I think from Coach Pierman, I, watching this, I know Polvaro was very, like a massive player for the battery, a clear starter and everything, but Emilio was obviously injured during Polvaro's time with the battery most of Polvara's time. He started the very early matches, but the double pivot and the understanding of Allen and Ikaza, for whatever reason, when watching, maybe they just showed up against um, Pittsburgh, but that understanding that they had, one dropping in deep when another one steps up, it was just like very well worked, about as well as you can, and they were able the energy, the tenacity, the very sturdy challenges that obviously Allen can put in. Pierman shouted him as one of um, the battery's like most consistent competitors. But that double pivot, I think, and winning the midfield battle is what allowed Charleston to be so dominant in this match because in that dominance, they were able to keep the Riverhounds' best creator and Danny Griffin off the ball. He did get his. He did get his opportunities, his assists, but, yeah. and and he obviously had that long distance chance. But limiting his touches, limiting his influence on the game with that really strong performance from the batteries midfield, I don't think it needs to be. It needs to be noticed, you know, because that could be something to build off, um, like exponentially into the future. And they and while they are different players, Yikaza and Allen, they're also very similar. Like they yeah. can get a, they can be dirty and aggressive. Like right. even as short as Yikaza is in comparison to Allen, like. He's got the footwork too, and so does Allen. When he, I've seen him drive forward, like he just, he's confident with the ball at his feet. So, like you mentioned, you want those players that can do the job when one goes forward and one stays back. And we talked to Ben about how adaptable. When we first talked to Ben back in December, he talked about how he wants his team to adapt to what the game is giving them. And I think that's one like really impressive piece of his coaching ability is that he can drill these players. We talk about Pittsburgh being drilled. I think Ben Pierman is a drill sergeant in terms of like, we do this when this team does this, we do this when we need to do this. We like every player can do what they need to do depending on the position that they're given or the, the role that they're given. So it's really, really cool to see that. And, um, I think that's what was shown on the day against, against a really, really strong, an informed Pittsburgh team. Right. Arguably the best team in the league. Yeah. You could, you could definitely make a case. And yeah, that's kind of how the match was played out. A 3-1 victory. 
late in, I mean, extra time, the board went off and it was seven plus seven. Yeah, I'm know. sure the fans yeah. um, didn't love seeing that, but they were able to see out a 3-1 victory. And it, it was massive in the shakeup of, obviously, the Eastern Conference. But first, there's some player milestones to address on both sides of the ball. Um, King Kenny, Canardo Forbes of the Pittsburgh yep. Riverhounds. He made his 250th USL championship appearance. Guy's a legend. He, I think he also, around the 40th minute or something, he hit like 20,000 minutes played. Yeah, that's what so, it was, yeah. Um, and he's one of the top assisters ever in the USL. He's he's rightfully a legend um, of the game. And then there was also some on the battery side. Yeah, Declan Wynn had 100 appearances, 100 USL championship appearances. Um, I mean, what a signing he's been. That guy's yeah. a New Zealand fullback. He's been uh, – he was a big signing when they announced him, and he's – Played almost every single game, if not every game. Picked up a knock. He picked up an awkward challenge on his knee, and he yeah. ended up playing right through it. The commentators were like, they were like, we hope he can see out his 100th game. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, And obviously, get on Pittsburgh, Danny Griffin has not missed a game a professional all. Professional game match. in the USL Championship since joining. And since that's so that goes back to since his professional career started. I know, yeah. So ever since he entered the league, it's not even... He did go on a brief spell, uh, spell to Huntsville. Yeah, Huntsville. And even there, he didn't miss a match. So despite him going on the move for a few games in his professional career, he's never missed a match. Um, and it was also mentioned that when he plays a match, it's not like he's going on for 60 minutes. He's, no, he's seeing playing. out the full 90. <laughs> and he's playing the midfield. He's yeah. playing box-to-box midfield yeah. work. So The most exhausting position yeah. that you can play. Um, and then the battery... Sebastian Palma netted his first goal for the club. First goal. It was lovely to see. He's one of those good vibes players. You see him always popping up on the battery story or he's touching Squirt up the water on social bottle, media, yeah. but he's always always there for a good time and kind of living life as large as you can. So um, he's props a, to him. He's a composed center back on the ball, too. He's someone when the ball's at his feet, you, you're like, okay, like it's – he can yeah. play out of the back really, really nicely, and he's a big presence, obviously, in the, like we said, in the box. So. Yeah, but to, to take Albert Dequa completely out of the game, one of the best strikers in the league, I mean, with the center-back pairing of Palma and Archer, it speaks volumes. Um, he, he didn't make much of an impact at all, and I think Palma was a big – he was kind of playing more off the shoulder of Palma, I think, throughout most of the match and well-handled. So, um, And then Palma was one of the players that made player of the week – so there were three nominations at, or four player of the week in the USL. I believe it was Sebastian Palma. It was Barajas, Barajas and Williams and Augie. Yeah. So yeah. well, well learned to those guys. What a change from last season. Like when we went down there in March, um, talking with the fans, they mentioned how, yeah, they want to see good football. They want to see their club back com- competing, but, I don't think they expected. Maybe they did with Ben and the players they brought, but who knows yeah. if they expected like where they're at and like how well they started the season. Obviously, there's a little bit of a dip, but right now where they're at, off four games now, off a win streak, four game win streak. Uh, I think it was a four game going in or five now. Is it wins or just wins? Or I think it was. I think it was wins. But either way, they've they've been. I mean, they're, doing, they're doing everything right. Yeah, it looks like their last four matches are just unbeaten. They unbeaten. beat Loudon, um, 
Then they drew, they drew Indy, Miami, and then beat the Riverhounds. So yeah. yeah, so but yeah, still a force in the East. Um, and I think yeah, when we spoke to the fans prior to the opening match of the season, it was a bleak outlook. It yeah. was a bleak but hopeful. Like give yeah. the fans credit, they they did. They were there. They always show up. They're committed to the club, and they they weren't asking for much. They just wanted to have enjoyable games to watch and not be getting blown out at home yeah, and yeah. Um, have far exceeded those expectations. <laughs> yeah. um, and a lot of that is thanks to Ben Pierman and it's only season one. Like, it, yeah, it is. And the, the guys he brought in too, the, the, the guys that club brought in and you could just, when you, when you see obviously social media, like you see the posts and all that, like it just looks like everybody in that team is, like best friends and yeah. that's what you want from a club and from a team. And I remember when we talked to Augie, like he's the type of guy who like run through a wall for yeah. a brick wall for. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Coach Pierman is that. And I mean, looking ahead, so beating a rival, beating one of the best teams in the league is going to offer a massive lift to Charleston. And just recently. So last night, Today's Thursday, but last night the Riverhounds played another USL championship match and dropped points. So if you look at the Eastern Conference, the Riverhounds do sit first with 38 points, but they have a match in hand. And then the Battery currently sits second with 36 points. So they have a they could jump Pittsburgh if they beat Birmingham Legion in their match on Saturday. And then the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the Arch nemesis, the connection with Lee, they sit third, and they have two matches in hand on Pittsburgh and one on the battery. So oh, wow. okay. if, if they win both of their matches in hand, they would sit top of the Eastern Conference. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, get to the playoffs, get there with a good seed, and if you hit the... If you hit stride at the right time, that's kind of the team that's always going to be most dangerous heading into 100%. The, I think... That. They're 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 getting in form at a good time, the mm-hmm. battery, and yeah. so I mean they have a couple. They definitely have the next two games are very winnable. Louisville City will be. I mean they're always a good side in the league, and so, um, I mean I think it will make for an interesting. Um, I'm interested to see how the rest of the season goes. Basically, yeah, it's going to be. It's gonna I, be I'm really looking forward to playoffs. Really exciting, no matter how it kind of turns out. You know. Yeah, they play Oakland. They play Oakland coming up soon. Yeah, I might think. make that game next Friday. I'll be down in the uh, in the Friday Holy night, City. Friday night <laughs> match. That's a that's the heat. exciting. I'll one. be sweating, drinking IPAs, and eating barbecue, which I don't yeah, mind. You it. think it's muggy up yeah. here? Oh my god, down there. Um, and yeah, and so that kind of recaps most of what happened with the battery and the recent match with the Riverhounds. A lot to look forward to moving moving ahead. Um, but you, the USL, yeah as a whole what's going on could also expect some changes so what changes what's going on there has been a proposal obviously every soccer fan in the united states always says cries out for promotion relegation and there is a vote taking place on anywhere between august 9th to the 11th to implement to not implement but to to move forward with the idea of a promotion relegation system across the USL leagues. So this would be, according to the athletic, they wrote a really good write up on it. Um, But let me find this. Um, It'll be the first 
open professional league so that there can be fluidity and entering and joining and rising the ranks ever in the modern era of the United States soccer competitions, I guess. Um, and the reason that the, the USL championship is kind of proposing this idea is to stay mainly relevant and compete with the MLS. Cause right now, obviously Lionel Messi goes to enter Miami the MLS is the dominant league in the United States and the USL championship has to do something to stay competitive with that league. And if they move in the direction of promotion relegation, um, it kind of puts them in a position to make noise. Um, do you think the MLS will get looped into that? I don't know. I, I would love to think so. Um, I mean, it's really tough to say because the MLS is so privatized. You it know is. What I mean? It's like, like the it's USL so championship. Exclusive. They they own the owners own the clubs while MLS owns. There's like owners of franchises, but like it's a franchise league. So the right. MLS owns every team while they have their own individual owner. And that's where it's going to get really interesting yeah. with the businessmen, especially with the MLS, because in an ideal world, the MLS would be the top flight. Yeah, it would be the. I mean, I'd love crop. to see it be the USL championship, but there's just so many, mo- so much money in the MLS that I don't think they're going to supersede them. Yeah. And then the USL championship would kind of be your second tier, so on and so forth. And that's just us brainstorming. We have no idea what the actual proposition is, but we'll definitely talk about it more. On yeah. I, I think I wanted to another piece of content called YouTube. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this. Um, Answer this. Do you like this idea? Do you think it's... Wait, do you think this is a smart move? Yes. Yes. And I think this sums it up. So I'll have to look at who quote who was quoted, but it says, if you somehow think continuing our current trajectory will make us competitive and where we all want to be, this is speaking to the USL championship, you're fooling yourself. One of the USL owners told The Athletic. The reality is the MLS will destroy the USL long-term on our current trajectory trajectory but if the usl successfully drops adopts a pro relegation system and can get division one sanctioning for top level it'll transform soccer in the in the states so that's the hope i think that would mean that they would loop in the mls to it 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 does seem that way i mean my biggest worry though like is that the wealthy people that invested all these money in mls clubs that aren't doing so well will just put their foot down and say no. You know what I mean? Because, like, they don't want to drop into a lower league and then lose all their viewership, lose their fans. Like, um, But it is a proposal. There is a vote that all USL championship fans should keep their ear open for come early August. And as we find out more, again, this isn't to officially adopt the pro relegation system. It's simply agreeing that they'll move in the direction of, I believe okay. there's, it's the board members that will vote. I want to say there's 11 of them, but um, yeah, that's, that's the idea behind all of this. And it's making waves. If the athletic are writing a report on it, like, you know, it's something, you know, you know, it's always We're a gonna hear report. Yeah. I, I think I'm interested to hear more about the developments on that. And I'm definitely keeping my ears and eyes open to what's to come from it. Cause it should be very interesting to see like what the hell happens and how, it affects every league because that's the thing. The biggest concern is how does this affect clubs that 
say it does obviously it's moving in that direction, but okay, we get to there. We mm-hmm. get to that point. And then what what about the teams that are financially already struggling? Yeah. And they get relegated. Yeah. That was a very loud rumble of thunder. Uh, yeah. I like, don't know if you can hear it. I think we <laughs> uh, think we can call it there now. Yeah, that wraps it up. Thank you for joining us. Holy City Sound Off. See y'all later.